why don't I have my phone with me? Um, but she's going to be here next month, and I don't have the date now because it just went. Have you ever had one of those moments? They just, it goes out. When it was, we have a missionary. She's from Ardmore. She's an Assemblies of God U.S. missions missionary, and she will be here, and I'll give you the dates after the service. And those that are listening online, I'll get you the dates. It's in my phone. But uh, called her today, and she works with the orphans here in the United States. It's uh, called Black Backyard Orphans, and it'll be in your bulletins for this Sunday. Um, another thing, too, just a reminder about the white elephant gift exchange coming up. And uh, it's a, and then our Christmas program. So the white elephant gift exchange, I think, is on December night. Stacy has those dates. Um, I'm looking in here. Yeah, there it is. It's the first family uh, annual family Christmas party with a white elephant gift exchange, 5 p.m. here at the church, food, games, and bring a $5 gift. It's fun to bring funny gifts. So that, that's what makes it fun. Uh, and that is a Saturday. Yes, that's December 9th. And then December 17th is our family Christmas dinner. Church will provide the meat. Bring your favorite Christmas dish. So that will be December 17th, and that's right after church on that Sunday. And don't forget, next Wednesday we don't have church or this Sunday afternoon or this Sunday evening due to the Thanksgiving uh, holidays. And then uh, the following Wednesday, not next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, we're going to watch a video here uh, by Jonathan Kahn. If we don't get through all of it, we'll finish it up next week. It's about God's judgment on America. And he goes through specifically of when 9-11 happened. And it goes right along with the scripture and how some of our politicians were using that scripture. And he'll go through all the details of it. So, and the reason why I want to watch this is what we're going to learn tonight is about how God, if we turn our back on the Lord, is a nation God will turn his back on us and, ju and, and judgment will come how many of you guys know of this video it's called the harbinger uh, Jonathan Kahn so it's a really good video I'm telling you it's good it'll it'll it, it'll encourage you to start praying for our nation and reaching the lost so uh, not this Wednesday because it will be it's Thanksgiving week but the following Wednesday when we come back on that Wednesday we'll start watching it on Wednesday so tell other people about it I'm telling you how many of you guys know about this? Do you guys know about this? Have you guys heard of the Harbinger? Do you guys know who Jonathan Kahn is? He's a Messianic rabbi. Messianic means he's a Christian, Jew, and he's a pastor, and he's written a lot of books. He's written the, the Harbinger, the, the uh, Harbinger 2. He's written the, the, the Return of the Gods, and what he means by that is the, the, some of the same gods that Israel worshipped have returned here to America, and he describes those, and when they showed up and he could show you the scriptures he'll go to, it'll blow your mind when you watch this video so um, all right <clears throat> would you please stand as we go to the Lord in prayer father we thank you for the this evening we thank you for those that are here to worship you pray for those that are sick that couldn't make it tonight uh, pray for healing on their bodies and those within the congregation we thank you that you're the God that not only heals but you hear our prayer so Lord through our worship tonight we thank you that you hear our prayers and worship is a form of prayer because we're talking to you Lord and we ask this in Jesus name yes, Amen, amen. Yes, amen. Jesus. when I close my eyes I can see your glory when I raise my hands 
can touch your face when I bow my knees I stand before you and Christ is formed in me awake my soul prepare an entrance for your glory and let my heart become a throne for you to dwell and when I need your Holy Spirit more than life itself then Christ is formed in me yes. when I lose myself I reflect your image when I break break my then I am whole when I give my all I find love everlasting then Christ is formed in me yes. awake my soul prepare an entrance for your glory and let my heart become is formed in me. Let's sing that again. Awake my soul. Awake my soul. Prepare an entrance for your glory. And let my heart become a throne for you to dwell. And when I need your Holy Spirit more than life itself, then cry formed in me oh then Christ is formed in me that's when Christ is formed in me awake our souls God awake our souls tonight God Father let our desire be Holy Spirit is more in us than we are, God. Father, make our hearts a throne for you to dwell in, Lord. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, Jesus. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. And I'm accepted. You were content, and I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you in all I do.
wretched man. He was, before he wrote that, he was a slave trader, Lord, and his mom had prayed for him to get saved, and he radically got saved and wrote that song. But Father, that song speaks of all of us. You saved a wretch like me. And it's your grace, Lord, your unmerited favor. We don't deserve it, but you freely give it to us. We thank you for that tonight. We thank you for that. And, and as I've shared before, but Lord, in Isaiah, and your scripture says that, by your wounds we are healed. It's not just physical, or, but it's also spiritual. You've healed us of sin, the worst sickness there can be. Thank you for that healing tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, one of my favorite hymns. How many of you guys like that song? There's a movie I suggest you get called Amazing Grace. 
Uh, it was came out in, probably in the mid 2000s. It's, it's about the about the ending of slavery in Great Britain. But it, yeah, in the movie, there's the Sir Isaac, or I, I don't know if it's Sir, but I mean Isaac. I don't even think it's Isaac Newton. That's a different guy. But anyways, he, he was the one that came up with gravity. But anyways, uh, Newton. I can't always remember Newton's name. Do you guys remember Newton's name? The first. Oh well. All right. Well. You guys have your Bibles? Open up with me to Daniel chapter 5. We're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 5. The last couple chapters we've looked at, you know, the first one we looked at was uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar and the dream that he had. And Daniel sees the stream of the statue. And I remember the book of Daniel was for that time, but it also points to the end times, to the book of Revelation. Uh, we looked at... Uh, Another dream that he had and a dream of, remember Nebuchadnezzar, pride, being welled up with pride and, and God cutting down the tree into a stump and, and uh, he was a wild man for seven years and God then restored him after seven years. And uh, what I mean by wild man, it said that he ate grass like cattle and grew hair like the feathers of a bird, which means long hair all over his body and uh, nails like a, an eagle and God can do that. He can cause any of us to do that. And so time has passed from King Nebuchadnezzar, and now we're going to be looking at a king called Belshazzar. And so if you're in Daniel chapter 5, we're going to read the whole chapter tonight, and we're going to go through it the best that we can in the time that we have. So Daniel chapter 5, we're going to read it, and then we're going to pray. So Daniel chapter 5, verse 1 says, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, now when it says father, that means his ancestor. It wasn't necessarily saying his uh, biological dad. It was a biological, but it was like his grandfather or great-grandfather. Had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. The king called out for the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King, Neb king Belshazzar became even more terrified and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man, Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, 
was found to have a king mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, the one of the exiles, my father, the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Verse 17, the, then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. O king, the most high God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign, sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You have had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you, your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drink wine from them. You praise the gods of silver and of gold and of bronze and iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, parsin. This is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Paris, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we study this chapter tonight in chapter 5 in the book of Daniel, give us insights and understandings that we've never known before. Holy Spirit, enlighten your scripture. It says to, that your Holy, your, your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, that you will reveal the scripture to us. You will open up the eyes of our understanding. Help us to hear and listen. And Lord, as your vessel tonight, speak through me what you want to say. Again, not with human uh, intelligence or eloquence, but with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. Pierce each one of our hearts with the word of God tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So we're doing a series called A Godly Man Who Remained Faithful. And before I go on, that's a good title for a series because it's not how you begin, it's how you finish the race. When you give your life to Jesus, you're going to have mishaps, you're going to have struggles, you're going to have ups and downs. Anybody ever been on top? 
Everybody been out down below. How many of us sometimes we feel like we're down below a lot of times? But God is with us through it all. And so we need to remain faithful, especially in the times that we're living in. I think it's uh, fitting for us to go through the book of Daniel, especially, again, for these times. So Daniel, we're in, uh, in, in Daniel chapter 5, the title is just basically the writing on the wall. Sometimes God has to write on the wall to get our attention. He sends people our way to get our attention. He puts people in our path to get our attention. He takes things away from you to get your attention. And, and he, God will, it, permitting, he will do so. He will allow sickness in your life. He will allow certain, sometimes he allows blessings in your life, right? God gives blessings and he also allows other things in your life, again, to get your attention. So let's go to chapter 5 here. I want to give you, before we get on, I want to give you a little overview. Chapters 1 through 4 centered around the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 5 is centered around King Nebuchadnezzar's son's grandson. So that would be Belshazzar. King Nebuchadnezzar reigned 43 years and then died in 562 B.C. King Belshazzar shared the kingdom with his father, uh, Nabonidus. And it's interesting about Nabonidus. When the Babylonians came in to, to sack uh, Babylon and take it over, the Medes and the Persians, his, his dad fled. So most historians believe that he took off. He's like, oh, I'm going to leave it to my kid to get killed, and I'm going to take off. That's not a very good parent, right? How many of us would protect our kids instead of run off? That's okay. You can have them. <laughs> that, that's exactly what he thought. So uh, Nabonidus restored the worship of the moon god Sin. I find it interesting. That, now, it's a different word for sin, but it, it's interesting that it's sin. <laughs> so... Belshazzar probably was attempting to undo the influence of the God of Israel that his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar honored. So here you got Nebuchadnezzar who God humbled. Remember we went through that. God humbled him. He finally acknowledges who God is in chapter 4 that God is the God of heaven. He's the God of the earth. He, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It only takes a few generations to lose people for the gospel. We're losing a whole generation in America to the gospel. Um, you, I, I've shared with you before, but there's more de-churched now in America than there are churched. That's a scary thought. So, all, and, and I think I've shared this before, but after COVID, all churches are down 20%. You would, have think it, you would have thought that it would have been the other way around. People would have been flocking to the churches. Same with 9-11. People did flock to churches in 9-11, but it didn't last, did it? So again, it doesn't take long for a generation to lose its focus on who Christ is. Archaeologists have excavated a large hall in Babylon, 55 feet wide, 165 feet long, that has plastered walls. That's the Bible Knowledge Commentary. So they've actually found this room. Boy, wouldn't that be cool if they still found the writing on the side of the wall? So here we go, complete contempt. King Belshazzar showed utter contempt for the God of gods. Look at verse 1 here. He said, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. First of all, that's the beginning of problems there. They got what? They got drunk. And, and getting drunk can do a lot of things. When we lived in Wyoming, there was a sign that said, Buzz driving is still drunk driving. Right? So while Belshazzar was drinking... 
his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets of Nebuchadnezzar, that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Now these came from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is God's city, even to this day. And I should have pulled up some of the things. I'm going to do that one of these weeks. I'm going to show you where actually the name of God, it's called an abbreviation of his name called Shin, is actually on, you remember me sharing this on Sunday morning, is actually on the city of Jerusalem. And all three rivers actually point out that letter, that Hebrew letter. And in fact, the center river or creek that goes through it goes also to the temple where the Ark of the Covenant stood, where Jesus could have died. So we don't know quite where he died at. You know, some there's a lot of debate on that, but it's interesting that Jesus is the center. So King Belshazzar showed utter contempt for the God of gods. He, he drank from the cups that honored God. How many of you guys know what the tabernacle is? And, and they had cups in the tabernacle. They had a, a table, a, 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 a showbread table. And everything, I, I've done a whole study on this. Even the ornate uh, crown that, crowning that goes around it represents Christ. The gold represents Christ. The, the, it's, it's overlaid, it's wood overlaid with gold, and the wood represents the humanity of Christ. Everything in it represents who Christ is. And so he takes these cups to honor his gods, and he defiles what God had made. Now the Webster Dictionary defines contempt as the act of despising, the state of mind of one who despises, lack of respect. Anybody ever have somebody give you a lack of respect? How does that, your kids sometimes, right? Or you, you're driving and somebody's just disrespectful. So he had a lack of respect or reverence for something. The state of being despised, willful disobedience to or open disrespect of a court judge or legislative body. So the root of his contempt was pride. Pride is the root of contempt. You're not going to tell me what to do, right? I'll give you an example. Go clean your room. No, I'm not going to clean my room, right? That is pride. That's disrespect. Contempt. You've heard it in court. A contempt of court, right? You're disrespecting the judge. What happens in contempt of court? You can be put in jail. You can be fined. It's the same idea. So God will not be mocked. Let's look on. Verse 3. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver and of bronze and iron and wood and stone. Then verse 5, look at this. Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. I, I tell you what, I would be freaked out too if a giant hand showed up in the sanctuary, Right? And starts writing out words that you don't know. And you have to get a translator to figure it out. Honestly, I think if a hand showed up here, we probably wouldn't just be knocking our knees. We'd be all running out of the building. Some of us would be like, get the anointing oil. We're going to rebuke this thing and pray over it, right? But God will not be mocked. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. 
a man reaps what he sows. God will bring judgment on the ungodly. This includes both the individual and the nation. Go with me real quick in your Bibles. Hold your spot here and go with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 here. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through the apostles. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died... Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed. And the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar, the elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Now, Peter is talking about the end times, what it's going to be like, scoffers. Now, a scoffer says, hey, we've heard of this our whole life that Jesus is coming back. Everybody's always told us, so I've been in church for 20-some years, 30 years, I've heard that my whole life. Well, guess what? They're fulfilling prophecy because that's what's happening, right? God destroyed the earth by a flood. Now, it's interesting because in Turkey, in the Bible, it says that uh, Noah's Ark is on the mountains of Ararat. And I believe that that one they call a geological formation, which fits the dimensions of the Bible of an ark that's in Dunapar. I think it's called Dunapar, Turkey. They have just done, uh, did, uh, 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 what do they call that, carbon dating on, the, on the, the rock there, and it dates back to the time of Noah. They have done, uh, done ground-penetrating radar, and they have found 90-degree angles. 90-degree angles do not happen naturally in uh, nature. So it had to have been built by man, and they have found those within the ark, within this thing. It's interesting. So God, we know, destroyed the earth by a flood. I've preached on that before, but they, they, uh, how many stories did they have? Like 200-some stories across the world about a flood that hit the earth. So, God destroyed the earth by a flood. He's going to destroy the earth by fire in the future. And his, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. So basically, it's only been two days since Jesus rose from the grave to God. To us, it's 2,000 years, but to God, it was two days ago. And on the third day, we rise again. We're getting close to that third day. I'm excited about it. So the word scoffer here says scoffers will come. Belshazzar, along with those today, are what we call scoffers. 
Scoffers here comes from the Greek word, and I'm not going to try to say the Greek word, which means mockers. Mockers in Galatians 6, 7 comes from the Greek word, and, and I'm, again, I'm not going to say it, to turn up the nose or sneer at. Basically, Belshazzar was turning his nose up to God, and he had known the stories through his grandfather of what God did to him, and yet he was turning his back to him. What are the people doing today? They know of what's happening, and they can see it, but they're turning their backs against who? God. They're turning their nose up to him. So, again, he turned his nose up to God. Let's go back to Daniel here. Number two, the writing on the wall. The hand appears. God answers pride. Laughing turns to what? Fear. Let's, let's look in verse 6. His face, after this hand appeared, his face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. Basically, he almost passed out. He fell to the ground. I'd say he just wet his pants, right? So again, why, look what Psalm 2, one, verses 1 through 6 says. Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. What God was saying is, you're not going to drink from these goblets and mock me without me doing something about it. And that just tells you that God is a God of love, but he's also a God of judgment, and he will deal with disobedience. He will deal with a nation that turns their back on God. The reason why I want to watch Isaiah 9:10 is I believe our nation has turned their back on God. It's interesting on our quarters, if you find the new quarters today, Find yourself an old quarter, get yourself a new quarter. Whose inscriptions on that quarter? Washington, right? The old quarters have Washington facing the words God and God we trust. The new quarters literally have his back turning against those words and God we trust. You, I, I've looked at them, I've looked at the quarters. It's almost like we're taunting God and putting ourselves against the Lord. And God will not be mocked. He will deal with nations. He will deal with people. He talks about dealing with the kings of the earth. God uproots kings and installs kings. A nation that turns itself against God that once served him, God will deal with. And that's what he's going to do with the, our nation. If we keep mocking God and turning our back on him, we're in trouble, folks. All right, going on. Look at Daniel 2.21 says, He controls the course of the world events. Anybody watch the news lately? Or some of you guys are like, I don't even watch the news anymore, right? Are events crazy right now? What's going on in the Middle East? Well, guess what? Who controls the course of world events? Who permits it and allows those things to happen? God. God's not moved by him. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. That's like these people that think they're so smart. Guess who gave them those smartness? Some people are too smart for their own britches. 
right? Book knowledge is not enough. Paul says love builds up, but knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Puffs up means pride. So Belshazzar calls now on the wrong man. Let's look in verses 7 through 9. It says, The king called out for the enchanters, the astrologers, diviners, to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Verse 8. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. So they, they didn't have the answer. What about you and I as believers? It says, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. So as you and I as believers, where should we get our counsel from? From godly people, right? It says, don't, don't, don't get your advice from the wicked. Be careful who you get your counsel from. One, one translation says, don't, don't get your counsel from the wicked. Don't sit in the seat of mockers. And what did this guy do? Well, of course, he's ungodly anyway, so he's going to go to his astrologers. Ah, but the queen here, according to scholars, was most likely Belshazzar's grandmother or mother. She knew the story of Daniel. You know, I really think this is God's grace trying to get his attention. Let's go to verse 10. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the bank wall. Oh, king, live forever, which was a normal sign. They had to do that when they came into the king or they could be put to death. And so she said, don't be alarmed, don't look pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, and astrologers, and diviners. And so the man Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. That's finally you get some good advice. Can I tell you something about this scripture? This is good. God can use you in mighty ways. He can use you in mighty ways. He can give you a keen mind. He can give you knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams. God can give you the gifts of the Spirit and give you words of knowledge for people. Did you, all of you can have words of knowledge. You can. You can operate in that. You say, Pastor, really? Yeah, it's in, it's in the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Chapter 13 and chapter 14. Now, chapter 13 is what we call the, the motive behind the gifts, which is love, right? You do everything out of love, right? You, you worship out of love. I preach out of love. You pray out of love. You, you, whatever job you do, you do out of what? Love. So he finally gets the answer he needs, and he calls for Daniel. Again, the queen probably knew, the, uh, knew Daniel and the stories of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, the words in the time of your father, again, is not referring to Belshazzar's father, but to his ancestor. I already mentioned that. So Daniel is brought before the king. Look at verse 13. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father, the king brought from Judah? 
I've heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and then solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. So the question is always be prepared to share the knowledge of the Lord with other people. Daniel was always prepared. Are you and I prepared to show, share Jesus with other people? The best way that you and I can be prepared is to read our Bibles. Know the word yourself. I've been there where you're embarrassed. Somebody asks you, well, where's that in the Bible? Uh, I don't remember, right? Kind of like with me not getting the date right. I just talked to this missionary today, and then I couldn't remember the date. So it's embarrassing when you stand up here and you go, oh, by the way, we have a missionary coming, but I don't remember what day she's coming, right? Know the Bible. Start reading your Bible. That's why I like going verse by verse so that you know what's going on, the context before and the, the context after. You get the full story and understanding of what it really means. If we we got to be careful that we don't pull Scripture out of context and don't understand what it really means. The Bible is there to teach us. So be prepared. That's why it says Daniel rejects the rewards of the king because he knew his relationship with God was more what? Important. Look what he says in verse 17. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Again, our rewards come from God. Our rewards come from God. And you know what's great about the Lord? How many times he's taken care of Stacy and I? You've heard some of the stories. And they're all true stories. And he still takes care of us. It just blows us away how God does that. You know, I, I love the way God... He never... I'm always surprised. You shouldn't always be surprised, but I am. I'm like, wow, like it's Christmas all over again, right? When God does something for you. And that's the wonderful thing about God when you serve him. He comes in different rewards. Sometimes it's being delivered from something, right? Maybe an attitude. Addiction. That's right. God delivers you from addiction. It, it could be anything. Or, or he, he blesses you. You know, you've heard some of the stories I've told you. Boy, I wish I could remember all of them. There's times I leave here and I'm going, wait, why didn't I share that story? 2 Timothy 4.2 says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 to 16. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So be prepared to share the gospel. Daniel was prepared. He was always prepared. His relationship with God was right. So he didn't have to worry about somebody saying, oh, well, you're, you're supposed to be a Christian, but I saw you doing this over here, right? Always be prepared. Let me give you a story. When we were, just before we moved down here, I had a, anybody ever have one of those days you're just grumpy? I had a grumpy day, and I'm at Walmart, and I asked the guy for help with the phones, and he kind of 
disrespectfully just said, well, I'm busy right now. And I lost my cool right there at Walmart. My kids were standing there, and I got mad. And I, got, I lost my cool, and the guy finally came over, and then the conviction of the Holy Spirit hit me. <laughs> so we start walking, and we're walking through the store, and all of a sudden God's like, you were wrong. And I went, all right, Lord. So I, I turned around, I walked back up to him, and I said, look, I, I need to apologize. I've had a bad morning, and I took it out on you. Would you please forgive me? And he looked at me, and he goes, you're the first person that's ever apologized to me. How about when you're, when you're at the store, like last week, we had batteries. I forgot there were bat batteries sitting in the, in the cart. I'd bought all my stuff. I was getting ready to move, and I, oh, there's batteries. I stopped, and I'm sorry, you can't come over here to the cash register yet. You know, some lady was waiting, and this whole new system at Walmart's stupid. I just, I'm sorry. I'm not, I know I'm not supposed to say anything about certain companies. I'm sorry. But anyways, I just don't like the way they have the whole way it works. Anyways, I get over there and I grab the batteries and I paid for it and the guy comes to me and goes, oh, thank you for being honest. And I'm thinking, really? People steal batteries? Well, they are expensive, but I mean, still, that's no excuse to steal. People are watching our behavior. So Daniel had a clear conscience and look at this. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Daniel didn't want the stuff that he had to offer him. He just wanted to get the praise from his father in heaven. I think the things, again, I've shared this over and over again, but I think the things that we're going to be shocked by that we get rewarded for in heaven are going to be the things that we didn't think were that important. Hey, you remember when you prayed for this individual and you really did pray for him? You prayed, you prayed earnestly for them? Hey, you get a reward out of that. Oh, but this thing that you did over here when you were out preaching to these people, you did it because you wanted them to recognize you, right? So Daniel doesn't want the rewards. He just wants to honor the Lord. Now God gives a rebuke. How many of us want to get rebuked by the Lord? Look at verse 18, verses 18 through 21. Daniel's just honest with him. Jesus preached the truth, and he did it with grace. He preached the truth. He didn't water down the truth, but he did it with grace. And Daniel does the same thing. Oh, King, the Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. So he's giving him a history lesson here that, that Belshazzar already knew. He's like, hey, don't you remember this story? I'm going to remind you of it. So he's telling him and reminding Belshazzar of what happened to his grandfather. And he says, verse 21, he was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until the, he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. So Daniel gives him a rebuke. It's wise for us to learn from the past. Warren Buffett, I mean... Guy's a billionaire. Look what he says. What we learn from history is that people don't learn from history. 
We're repeating it right now. And, and people need to know that. Just go look up the World Economic Forum and all the stuff that they're trying to push. The guy that's involved in that, I don't care if I get in trouble for this, but listen, the guy that's in charge, his name's Klaus Schwab. He's calling it the fourth industrial revolution where humans are hackable, where they want to put chips in us, computer chips. This is real stuff. I'm not speaking conspiracy theories. This is all stuff you can look up. And guess what? His, his daddy made armor for Hitler during World War II. So instead of calling it the Fourth Reich, he's calling it the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Uh, Warren Buffett said, all right, what we learn from history is that people don't learn from history. We're repeating ourselves. I cannot say this guy's last name, so I'm going to do my best. I know his first name's George. Those who cannot learn from history are doomed to repeat it. It's true. Thank you. In history, a great volume is unrolled for our instruction, drawing the materials of future wisdom from the past errors and infirmities of mankind. Edmund Burke. One more. History is for human self-knowledge. The only clue to what man can do is what man has done. The value of history, then, is that it teaches us what man has done and thus what man is. Now, I, 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 I share this because in the Old Testament, God would have the Israelites set up tabernacles, pillars, to remind them of what God had done in the past. We have got to learn from our history. I, I, here's one good wonderful thing about what's going on in the United States. You can do a history of the, uh, of the United States and every time uh, the church shrank and every time the society got immoral, God brought revival. The first great awakening, you go and you read studies of what happened in our society it matches what's going on right now. The Second Great Awakening, the same thing. The revivals that happened in the 1920s and 30s under Billy Sunday, same thing. And then the Jesus Revolution. You look at all these. So we're on the tip of a verge of a great revival. I'm excited about it. Yeah, that, wouldn't that be great? All of a sudden people just get saved and healed and the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit and God's moving and boom, then the trumpet blows and we're out of here. So Belshazzar failed to remember what happened to his ancestor, Nebuchadnezzar. James 4, 17 says, Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do, and then you do not do it. So Daniel rebukes the king for his pride and lack of honor for God. Look, look in verses 23 through 24. He says, Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You, you had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines drink wine from them. You praise the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. God holds all of our lives in his hand. Psalm 139, remember I read it last Sunday that he knows he has numbered the, our days. They are written down in his book. He knows the beginning of your life and the end of your life. One of these days, there's going to be an end to my life. And it's written down in God's book, and he already wrote it before I was even born, is what it says. So God can take anybody out. But he's full of grace. He's full of love. He says he's 
slow to anger, abounding in love. He's patient with us. That's a good thing. So the rebuke is really from the Lord. Daniel is just God's mouthpiece. God uses the mouthpiece of a preacher who preaches the word to convict the sin of his, sinner of his ways. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41. Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? So this is on the day of Pentecost. He gets up and he preaches to all the Jews that are standing there. And they ask, What should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promises to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all listeners to save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. I like what the NIV says, is they were cut to the heart, means they were convicted of their sin. So Daniel is just God's mouthpiece. God is the one speaking to Belshazzar. And, and the same thing for God, God speaks to us. I don't know how many times I've been listening to the radio and preaching on the radio, and God is speaking to me. And that guy probably preached it weeks before. I mean, there have been times, I remember when Stacy and I first got married, we were fighting. Yes, couples fight, right? It's called rubbing the rough edges off. And I remember going, Lord, help me with her. And I'm sure she was praying that, Lord, help me with him. And I said, Lord, show me what I'm doing wrong. And that day, listen to the radio. He's talking about husbands and wives. And it said, the first one in that one, wives, submit to your husbands. It said, the scripture before that says, submit one to another. Right? And I remember him talking about a marriage and, and pointing out some of the things. I went, oh, that's me. And I get home and I didn't know this. God had spoken to Stacy through the same message that day. That's the way God works. Here's another interesting story about the book of Acts here. When the Israelites were called up to the mountain at Mount Sinai in the Old Testament, 3,000 were put to death that day because they had created a golden calf. You come full circle on the day of Pentecost. How many did God add back to the church? 3,000. God's a God of redemption. So now God's judgment's pronounced. Let me finish with this. We're almost done. Verse 25, verses 25 through 28. This is the inscription that was written. And I, and I tried to say this the right way, and it's hard to say some of these Greek and Hebrew names. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. And basically what he says is, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to Nian. You've been weighed on the scales and found wanting, and your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. God brought an end to Belshazzar's reign as king. The idea here is the king was nothing in the sight of God. God weighed him and found him wanting. Me meant that he was like a scale, that weight that you put on a scale, and it was so light the scale just went up. That means God could take our life just like that. And God could restore our life just like that. And God would divide his kingdom. I like this 
This is what Gusick says. God had Belshazzar's number and it fell short. <laughs> Do you ever say, uh, God's got your number? What's your favorite number? God's already got it. Mine's number seven. I like number seven. That's my favorite number. Number 12 is number two. So God weighed Belshazzar and he came up light. And then God would therefore divide Belshazzar's kingdom to the Medes and Persians. I kind of uh, borrowed some of that from Guzik, so he gets the credit for that. Acts 10, 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Some of these people that we see today that are causing all these problems, they're going to have to... They're going to have to stand before God one day and give an account for their actions. We're all going to have to stand before the Lord one day. The great thing about you, if you're a believer tonight, we're just going to be judged on what we've done for God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad about that? He's not going to judge us for our sin. That's under the blood. He's just going to say, okay, you did this with the wrong motive. You lost a reward. Oh, but this one was good. So you get a, you get a reward out of that. I just hope mine's a really nice shack. I'm just kidding finally God's judgment is enforced look at verse 29 then at Belshazzar's command Daniel was clothed in purple a gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in kingdom now Daniel's just like probably going through the formalities he didn't have any choice on this he's like I didn't want this stuff but they put it on me anyways right do you ever get a gift at Christmas somebody gives you a gift you really don't want it but you take it anyways I remember this one year. I'm not going to mention the name, but I got something. For, now, I better not mention what the gift is because if they're ever listening, they're going to be like, you didn't like that gift? But I got this gift one year, and I'm like, I do not want this gift. And you try to put a smile, oh, thank you. Yeah, I love it. That's great. That's called lying, you know. But you try to be nice because you don't want to hurt their feelings, but you're like, oh, my goodness, what was this? Well, that's basically what Daniel got. And Daniel gets promoted whether he likes it or not. And God's judgment was immediate. Look at verse, verses 30 and 31. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. He was put to death. Now, it's interesting how they, how they got in. Now, understand, ba the Babylonians didn't think that they could be conquered. They had these huge walls, beautiful gardens. Even to this day, you can find in writings how wonderful their gardens were. Some of the prettiest gardens that have ever... They, it's one of the seven wonders of the world that they talk about. And... They had, they had the river, the, I think it's the Euphrates River that went right through their city. Well, on each side of that city was a gate. And they thought they were impenetrable. But what Cyrus did, or Darius did, is he came in and he made a moat and he emptied the water from that river into the moat. And once the water lowered, there were no guards at the gate, so they came in without a fight and conquered the city. Which means a nation that thinks it can't be destroyed can the fall of mystery Babylon will be like the fall of a real Babylon, sudden sure in the midst of her worst blasphemies. Empires do not stand by human might, man-made machines and missiles. There is not a wall high enough or thick enough to prevent a nation from falling when God pronounces that nation's doom. And that's Strauss. That's a scary thought when you think of what our nation's doing right now. And when we show the Isaiah 9:10 video, and I, I invite you to invite your friends to watch it, I really do invite as many people as you can to watch it because it'll wake you up. As the church, we have got to start telling people about the gospel. I thought I had more slides. I guess I don't. But 
is there another slide? Okay. So on here, look what he says. That night, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And now look, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Did God fulfill his plan? He did. So God will fulfill his judgment. If a nation doesn't repent, God will bring judgment on it. And I, I end this passage tonight because I'm, I, I fear for our nation. Our nation was based upon biblical values. We're getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving. Everybody know about the pilgrims? You learned it in school. They made a covenant with God when they landed that year, their first Thanksgiving. And they didn't have turkey. They had fish, most likely. But they made a covenant with God. The pilgrims did. They were Puritans. That our nation would serve God. That this would be a, a nation that would be under rule of the Lord. You look at our founding fathers, 28 of them graduated from seminary and most of them were in their teens when they graduated they were highly intelligent people very smart i mean they were so intelligent and of course we know god gave them the intelligence look at our constitution there's no other one like it that's why they hate us so much that's why the globals hate us so much because our constitution's so good but when you start to turn your back on god the one that you were founded upon god's going to deal with you he did with this Babylonian king and with Babylon. What makes you think that we're immune to that? It doesn't matter how big our aircraft carriers are. It doesn't matter what kind of weapons we have. If we don't repent as a nation, especially the church, it starts with the church. And if the church doesn't repent, we're in trouble, folks. How many, real quick, would agree that we believe that God's, that our nation's under judgment? I do. So, not this Wednesday coming up, because you'll be with your families, but the following Wednesday, we're going to watch this video, Isaiah 9:10. If we don't get through it, we'll watch it the next week, and we're going to discuss it and talk about it. And you're going to see some things on there that it was like, I, I'll share a couple things out of here. It's kind of like a teaser. You ever have one of those teasers before? So, the, the, the scripture, Isaiah 9:10, is actually a judgment that the Israelites spoke over themselves when they turned against God. They were offering their children to Molech, the God of Molech, and they were sacrificing their children in the fire. You know, we've been sacrificing children and it's called abortion. And when 9-11 happened, it literally talks about a hewn stone. It talks about replacing a sycamore with a, with a cedar, with a cedar tree. Well, guess what happened? You're going to see this in the video. The, one of the, the church in New York City where Ground Zero is, it's where our founding fathers prayed across the street where Wall Street was founded. There was a sycamore tree there. And it was knocked over. Guess what they put in place of that sycamore tree? A cedar. They put, they, it says, they cut a stone out of huge stone. And, and they said, we will build and be stronger than before. You see after 9-11, we're going to be stronger than ever before. We're going to build. We're going to rebuild and be stronger than ever before. And they, they cut hewn stone. Hewn stone means limestone. They literally cut a hewn stone. And they put that scripture on it. And it's the foundation for the new tower where the Twin Towers were. So there's a lot of things he goes into this that shows where we are as a nation. 
And just think, this came out probably about 11 years ago. So I, I want to show this, and then we'll get back into Daniel. But I, I want, how many of you guys are interested in watching this? All right. I, I encourage you. Sheep get sheep, right? You understand what I mean by that? You have, you can, you, you, your places I can't be. I used to be places where, I could, where some of you could be. I used to run heavy equipment. I, I was with them, you know, tattoos, tough guys, all that stuff. Bunch of teddy bears on the inside. But you, you can reach people. If you have loved ones if, that don't know the Lord, if you have some that are teetering on the fence, invite them to watch this. Okay? All right, let's close. Father, we thank you for tonight. We praise you. Pray for all those, again, that have been sick lately with all the stuff that's going around. That's just, the, that's just infirmities and sickness. Lord, you died for that 2,000 years ago. We pray healing on all those that are sick right now in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for our congregation. We pray for those that are here tonight. Bless them, strengthen them, encourage them. Let everybody have a good Thanksgiving week. And then, Lord, as we, we meet up this, this Sunday, I pray, Father, that you will just uh, bless them and pour out your spirit on them and, and do that throughout the rest of the week. God, I pray you give them divine appointments. Give all of us divine appointments. We're entering into our mission field. Lord, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. You said to pray for the labors of the harvest. So, God, we're all laborers. Lord, give us divine appointments to lead people to Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming tonight. God bless you. Again, please invite some friends for that, those next weeks, and we're going to show these videos.